This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Wow, what a powerful song. What a great truth, and uh, what a great truth for Thanksgiving weekend, don't you think? Yeah, if you were here last Sunday, we talked a lot about God being our Father, and uh, boy, that's the message. came through loud and clear. It's my favorite weekend of the year. For four reasons, and they all begin with that. Family, right? Food, right? What's the third one? Oh, you guys are right on. Football. The fourth one's a little tougher, though, isn't it? Right? Four days. You got to love that, don't you? Yeah, how great. We were down in San Diego, and I was on a little walk, and I was walking up to uh, the house where we were visiting my wife's family and walking by all the vehicles parked in the street, and I noticed that the house right next door to the one where we were going, there were two cars from Florida, one car from Nebraska, and we were in San Diego. And I said, ah, what a wonderful reminder. I don't know who the people are, but I paused to say a little prayer for the people in that house. Recognizing, I bet that group doesn't get together all that often. And uh, what a great thing. So um, I hope you're enjoying this weekend, and I hope that this is a great way to sort of cap it off. Uh, I've really looked forward to this Sunday. I've looked forward to being with you this morning. My name is Ron, if I didn't get a chance to meet you on the way in. I'll hang out in the lobby afterwards, and I would love to uh, get to meet you on the way out. Interesting times, good times, good news in tough times. You know, whether you're here for the first time this morning, maybe as a guest of some family member of yours in town, and so, you know, it's kind of your usual and normal thing, I'll find a church and I'll go be an orphan for a day. Um, I hope you feel at home and don't feel like an orphan in this community of faith. Uh, I know God has a reason for you being here other than just so you can check it off of your list like you were a good Christian. You went to church on Sunday. That uh, God has a real reason for you being here. And I want to give all of us a little formula this morning because these four things are really important. Number one is connect. Connect with God. Really connect. I know. You've already been led in wonderful points of connection with God through the worship team already this morning. Really allow your spirit and soul to connect with God. Number two, receive God's message, God's word into your life. Because church can't change you. Only God can change you. So receive God's message. And like we do every, every time we meet, we have a time of teaching and learning from God's word. So I want you to receive what God's going to teach you this morning. Then number three, embrace. You know, some people go to church and the teaching is there and when they leave, it's, it's like a duck that gets out of the water. They kind of shake, right? And everything they learn just kind of falls off and they go out and live just like they were, okay? The idea is that you would come, you would receive, and then you would embrace into your life the living Word of God. And then you know what happens? Transformation. If you do the first three, God will make sure number four happens. And you will transform into a much better person. You'll be a bigger blessing to yourself. You'll be a bigger blessing to those in your family. You'll be a blessing to your community. And you'll be a blessing to God. So I want to encourage you to do that even if you're only here for uh, one time this morning. 
Don't waste it. Don't throw it away. Good news in tough times. This is the last sermon in a series of seven that we've been working our way uh, through. And they're all based on the first chapter of a book in the Bible called 1 Peter. Peter was one of the 12 apostles of Jesus. He was personally trained by Jesus um, to lead the church that, that Jesus was going to establish. And shortly after Jesus died, Peter wrote the words of this book, 1 Peter. It was a letter he wrote to some Christians who were undergoing very severe persecution for their faith. They were being arrested. They were being thrown in prison. They were being sold into slavery. They were even being killed. Times were tough. They were really tough. And I know times are tough for us. But when you compare our tough times with their tough times, we got it pretty good, don't we? Yeah. Um, But I know times are tough for us. There are people right in this church who lost their jobs this week. There are people in this church who stand to lose their home unless, some, unless God in some way intervenes. Times are tough. But there's good news, and Peter had great news for them. And uh, so what would Peter say to struggling Christians? Because he's delivered some really good news that we're going to focus on in just a minute, but he also has some instructions. And I think there are two things that Peter would say, and he does say. Number one, that God has a work that he wants to do in and through us. So God wants to do something in my life, and he wants to do something through my life. And also, Peter wants us to know that we have a part in that. That God just doesn't omnipotently overshadow us and give us no choice in the matter. We have a very important role in all of that. Because God has an agenda. And His agenda is for our good. I want you to take a look at a skit. That I think you probably never forget. Because it is a microcosm of God's interaction with us in this life. It's simply called the chisel. God, ever since I've become a Christian, I've had such a hard time understanding your discipline. You know, it's that, that daily thing about becoming more and more like Christ. Although I don't understand it, I know that I need it. So, God, please do whatever it takes to make me into your image. Amen. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. I'm sorry. Do I know you? Yeah, you do. I'm God. <laughs> no, you're not. Yes, I am. You said the prayer. So here I am. That's how it works. Uh, oh, okay. If you're God, um, then make it snow in here. You know, if I made it snow in here, it'd get everything kind of yucky, and I really don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, so you're not God. Why would you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. Yes, I would. It's a Greek word. Oh. Oh, no, no. Okay, if you're God, um, then what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is a very short book. It only has five chapters. Yeah, why is that? I was tired of lamenting. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. If you're God, who's going to win the Super Bowl this season? You know what? I'm not so much into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. What gave it away? You answered my question with a question. I did? Yep. (laughs) 
I do that, don't I? Oh, I did it again. <laughs> all right, here we go. Step okay, right up. All right. Um, wait a second. What did, what's this about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Wait a second. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Oh. Here okay. we go. Step right up. No, wait, 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 wait. Okay. So what do you chisel and what do you leave? I take out all the things in your life that aren't out of me, kind of like dead weight. Oh, hey, yeah. speaking of dead weight, could you chisel right in here? Because, like, you know, I tried everything. The other went away. But this, I tried diet and exercise. I even did Pilates for a while. It was awkward. You know, but if you could chisel right in here. All right, here, are you going to talk or like can I chisel? Diet, talk, was chisel, thinking. talk, chisel. No, 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 chisel. All right. Most of my children just like to talk. Not me. Bring on the chisel. Okay. Okay. All right. You've got a lot of pride. Ow. Got some anger. Ow. Compare yourself to others instead of me. Ow. You're lazy. Mm. But you pretend like you're really, really busy. You have a problem with lust. Okay, okay, okay. Time out, time out. I do not have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust. No, it's easy. I can do it anytime I want. Okay. No, wait, wait. Uh, hold on. Can we just, maybe we could take a time out because I think I'm doing pretty good. You are doing good. But when you look in the mirror, who do you see? Well, I see me. All right, then I need to keep chiseling away until ultimately you and others are able to see my son. So no, here we go. Okay, Step right no, no, no. up. Hold on a second. Now, don't take this the wrong way. It's just whenever I start looking more like your son, you know, people get really, really uh, intimidated around me. You know, it's like even my church friends are like, oh, you're holier than thou. Why won't you do that? You know, it's just it. it it's All right. Constant. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. No, I did not say that. That's what you meant. Yes, it is. You know, it's tough talking to you. You know everything I'm thinking. I'm just saying, you've done good work. Maybe we take a little break, a little time out, and we'll get back to it. All right, what you're doing right now is so common. What you're doing right now is called control. Do you want to control things in your life, or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, chisel. No, 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 chisel, chisel. chisel. Then, well, can we chisel what I want now? That's called control. Okay. <laughs> you've been holding on to this for a long time. You ready for this? Yeah. No. Oh. Ow! It hurts. This hurts me a lot more than it hurts you. Ow! Oh, God, I don't think you understand this pain. Don't talk to me about pain. I know all about pain. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin. But I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. And there are things in your life that date back as far as high school that you've been doing that do not work in your life. Okay. But you go to these empty wells whenever you're hurting, whenever you're angry, whenever you're lonely or tired. But they do not work. Okay, now, I'm thinking that maybe if Your we thoughts were... are not my thoughts. Okay, well, if we went a different way, then your we ways could... ways are not my ways. Okay, look, I can't be good. You can't be good. I made you good. Be good. How can I, I show you that my love for you has no boundaries? I... I know, I know. Reach in your back pocket. What? Reach in your back pocket. Why? There's nothing. Are you there. arguing with me? Reach in your back pocket. Oh, God. God. Yes. I was just saying, God, I'll do that right now. You were just saying my name in vain. Uh, you know, it's a name, it's a saying. It's, it's more than a name, it's more than a saying, it's more than a bad habit. It's a name above all names. I want to teach you something about my name. Reach in your back pocket. You know what that is? 
it's a it's a page from a journal I had when I was younger. How did you get this? Hello. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead and read it. I love Sabrina Schwartz. Other side. Oh, sorry. I married her, you know. I was there. Oh yeah. Yeah. Dear God. Today, I'm turning everything over to you. I'm not going to hold on to anything anymore. Your words say you will make me your masterpiece and use me to do great things. I don't see how that's possible. But I want that with all that I am. So please do whatever it takes to make me what you want. I love you, God. And I love you too, Ralph. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. So this salvation that you hold, don't let it be some sentimental gush or some head knowledge. I want you to work it out in every detail of your life. And don't compare yourself to someone else because that is just trivial nonsense. You are my original masterpiece. You are one of my workmanship. In you I find favor. This, don't look at this as a prison, but look at this as a, a father disciplines his child. A father disciplines the ones he loves. Yeah, I know, but it's going to be tough. Yes, it'll be tough. But you bought in the lie thinking everything was going to be easy when you said yes to me. And that's not how it works. I want you to do something for me. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Ralph is God's original masterpiece. Ralph is God's original masterpiece. No, 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 no. Not how you see yourself or how you think others see you, but how I see you. Go ahead. Ralph is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. You ready? No. But go ahead. All right. You know, if we just packed up and went home right now, you got the message. Powerful message. I think most of us, thank you, Alex. I think most of us fail to comprehend just how deeply God loves us and how much He wants to be part of our everyday lives. Now, Peter has a wonderful message for these people whose minds are continually being distracted by just surviving. Peter says, in the midst of your trying to survive, there's some things that God wants you to do. Okay? He's got things literally that he wants you to do. And so this morning, this is, these are God's instructions for us. Let's go take a look at our focus scripture, and then we'll get into the main parts. Peter says, now that by your obedience to the truth, you have purified yourselves and have come to have a sincere love for other believers, love one another earnestly with all your heart. Isn't that an interesting sentence? Now that you have come to have a sincere love for other believers, love one another with all your heart. Gives pause to think about what the difference between those two kinds of love is, doesn't it? For through the living and eternal word of God, you have been born again as the children of a parent who is immortal, not mortal. 
going back to God as our Father from last week. As the Scripture says, all human beings are like grass, and all their glory is like wild flowers. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord remains forever. The word is the good news that was proclaimed to you. Now rid yourselves then of all evil. No more lying or hypocrisy or jealousy or insulting language. Be like newborn babies, always thirsty for the pure spiritual milk, so that by drinking it, you may grow up and be saved. Well, this is a lifetime of living in those few short verses. Big challenge. Let's break it down. I'm, I'm just going to focus our attention this morning on four short phrases that come out of that. Each one very, very poignant. The first is just a two-word phrase. It's the first two words that we read, now that. In other words, what's next? Now that what? Well, Peter is saying, now that you are part of God's chosen. That was way back in the beginning of the chapter. Now that you realize you have been given new life in Jesus. It was also part of what he said. Now that you know you have been given a living hope for the future. Is that important to people undergoing persecution? Hugely important. Now that you have accepted a salvation that even the angels didn't get. And now that God has chosen to relate to you as a father. Not your judge. Not your general not your commanding officer, not as the all-powerful, all-knowing one who has the opportunity and the power and the privilege to destroy you if he chose to, but now that you realize God has chosen to relate to you as a father. Now what? What's next? Well, Peter wants them to know, you and I, we have something to do. It's not just sit around and say, oh, thank you, God, I'm saved. Now when's Jesus coming? That there's a work He wants to do in us. There's a work He wants to do through us. And we have an important part in that plan and in that agenda. But He also wants us to know that God's instructions do not change with the times. What was it He said? He said, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but what? The word of the Lord remains forever. You know why God's word never has to change? I'll give you two reasons why. Number one, because God said it, and anything he said never has to change. Okay? And number two, because human nature never changes. We're, we're by and large the same. We talk a lot about generational change, but it, general, generational change goes way deep. It goes to things like clothing. That's pretty deep, isn't it? Taste in music. No, human nature doesn't change. External changes a little bit, but our nature doesn't change. And God's instructions don't have to change. They remain forever. So that's right where He wants us to begin. So let's take a look at the second little bit of Scripture. The grass withers, 
The flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. I have a little exercise for us this morning. We're going to talk about two categories of investment. Because if we sit down with God, we say, okay, God, now how does life really work? And what's it all about? It's a, it's a little bit like going down and talking to your local um, investment counselor. All right? So you sit down with the investment counselor, and the counselor pulls out a chart, and the chart probably looks something like this. All right? Now, i got a question for you. Which side do you want to invest in? Ah, that's a pretty easy one, isn't it, right? I want you to notice right away that on this side, the investment looks pretty good up front, doesn't it? But the longer you stay with the investment, it doesn't look so good, and eventually there comes a point where it falls off and becomes nothing, okay? Over here, the investment doesn't necessarily start out that easy, doesn't necessarily look that good, but it starts yielding dividends and it reaches a point where it skyrockets. Now God says that's exactly how life is. There are really only two categories in life. This is the grass and the flower, and this is the word of the Lord. Now, what about the grass? The grass grows, and it prospers, and it even blooms and flowers. That's this part right here, okay? But what happens to the grass eventually? The grass withers, and the flower, what? Falls. Wow. Now, what about the Word of the Lord? Well, the Word of the Lord over here, is it always easy to follow God? Yes or no? No, if it was easy, we'd all be doing it all the time, right? It's not easy. Uh, is it convenient always to follow God? No, it's not convenient always to follow God. And there are times, I had somebody say to me this week, Pastor, I just don't understand it. It seems to me that people who walk with God have more struggles than people who don't. I look at people in my world who basically curse God and have nothing to do with Him, and life is just going great for them. You know why? They're comparing their investment at this point and this point. And they're thinking, I'm getting a bad deal here. It's a lot tougher for me than it is for this person. But you know, if you move on through life, you see a different trend. I forgot to tell you that there are a couple of rules in this investment game in life. And they're very important for you to know. So here are the investment rules. There's actually only two. Okay? Number one, everybody in life invests everything they have. You know how I know that? You've all heard it said, you can't take it what? Okay, so you're investing everything. You're not taking anything. You're investing everything. You don't have a choice. In fact, today, you're going to invest 24 hours. I don't care who you are, you can't hang on to any portion of it. But, but by midnight tonight, it'll be gone. You will invest 24 hours every day, seven days a week. You can't, you can't stockpile it. You can't save it. You can't, if we, <laughs> if we could, we'd make this weekend last about three months, wouldn't we? But you know, by midnight tonight, the weekend is done. I'm sorry to lay that on you, but there you go. 
We invest everything. Everybody does. And number two, once you've made an investment, you can't ever withdraw it. Let's go back to our chart. Because the temptation of human beings is, I will invest here up to this point, I will sell and move over here. Right? Yeah, I want to sow wild oats when I'm young and pray for crop failure. Right? I don't ever want to get on this side of it down here. But somewhere in there, I I, I, want to sell and move all my investments over here. Can't do that. Once you've invested something here, it stays here. If you invested your youth here, can you go back and recapture your youth? Can you go get those years back? Can you go back and undo all the stuff that you did here? No, friend, it's done. Whatever you've invested here, it's there. Now, you can be forgiven of it, but you don't get it back. Because whatever you've invested, you've invested Now, here's what Peter wants them to know. Invest wisely. Does that make sense? Invest wisely. Because once you've invested, that's why the Bible would say, invest over here. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth. Why? Because you're investing here at a young age. If you invest here at a young age, you're going to throw a bunch of your life away and you're going to end up with a very small investment on this side. Now, you're going to be glad you invested on this side, but it's going to be small. So what's the proper time to invest? I'll tell you the proper time to invest on this side now. Never gets any earlier than now, does it? No. No. Now is as early as it gets. And that's how life works. And there you have it. Right in the middle of this passage of Scripture, Peter says to people who are undergoing tremendous persecution, you need to remember that there are really only two categories in life. And here they are. The grass withers, the flower falls. There you go. That's one side. But the word of the Lord remains forever. As your pastor, as your friend, I want to give you the same advice. By the way, is this a big struggle in our lives? You know, we tend to think, we tend to think over here are all the sinful things. You know, like anger and murder and things that, you know, we, we like to talk about murder more than anger because most of us don't struggle with that, right? So, yeah, we talk about all the sinful things over here. But the bottom line is there's a lot of distraction over here. You can spend your whole life not doing anything that's sort of destructive and still wasting. Yeah. God's challenge to us in this day, in this week, in the rest of this week, what percentage are you putting over here? You know, okay, some of us are going to go watch football this afternoon. In this evening, right? There's nothing sinful about football, okay? But which side of the ledger does it go on? Are you on board with that? Now I quit preaching and went to meddling, didn't I? Yeah, but that's the truth. Football fits over here. Neither makes us better nor worse, but in the end of life it pays no dividends, okay? How about going to church and embracing and receiving God's Word? Which side of the ledger does that fit on? 
over here? How about going to a life group this week? That's going to fit over here. I mean, you just start looking at what am I investing here? What am I investing here? That's what Peter wants us to know. Because in the end, we're going to invest how much? Everything. And whatever we invest over here is lost forever. It has no chance of ever paying any dividend. pays a little dividend right up here, but eventually it, it zeroes out and becomes nothing. Whatever we invest over here cannot fail. For we take it with us into eternity. It will skyrocket in the only real sense of that word. Correct? Absolutely, we take it with us. So, now Peter says, you know, the question is, okay, how do I get on that side of the ledger? Right? And Peter says, I've got a way for you to get on that side of the ledger. And here it is. Love one another earnestly with all of your heart. Wow. Wow. I want you to write down these three words, the supremacy of love, because that's what Peter wants you to know. When you're going to build a house, where do you start? Do you start with a roof or the foundation? Well, if you're building with me or for me, you better start with a foundation because I don't want to live in any house that started with a roof. The foundation is what the whole house sits on. You know what I wrote down in my, in my notes? Bad foundation equals bad house. Got it? Good foundation equals possibility of a good house. I want you to see how important love is. It is the foundational commandment uh, and principle of all of Christianity. I'm going to read you four passages of Scripture relatively quickly. And every time we come across love or some form of that word, I want you to circle it. Ready? Here we go. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Would that tell you it's foundational? Yeah, that's exactly what Jesus is saying. Let's go on to the next one. Now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. 1 Corinthians 13. Three things will last forever. Would would that indicate these were pretty important? Yeah? And what does he say? Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Wow. The supremacy of love. Colossians 3 says this. Above all. Would that tell you it's important? Yeah? We're starting at the top. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Wow. Now I want to go back to the one in John where Jesus said, a new commandment I'm bringing you that you love one another. You said, whoa, 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 time out. (laughs) Nobody loved anybody before Jesus got here? I'm confused. Because Jesus said, I'm bringing you a new commandment. Oh no, the commandment was there, but the dimension of love was so different. You see, what you and I normally mean by love is not what Jesus meant by love. What you and I normally mean by love is a love that is tainted with and surrounding self. I love turkey on Thanksgiving. Do I really love that turkey? No, look what I just did to him. (laughs) Or her. You know what I'm really saying? 
I love how Turkey makes me feel. You know, believe it or not, and I don't, I, I don't want to take any romance out of any marriage, but usually when we look at each other and say, I love you, okay, what we're really saying is, I love how you make me feel. I love you because you bring out the best in me. You see any selfishness in that? Yeah. Normally, <clears throat> in this world of ours, when we use the word love, we're actually talking about a feeling that we have, that something evokes or creates within us. Now, Jesus said, I'm bringing a new commandment that you would love each other as I have loved you. If you've read the Bible, do you think Jesus was just inseparably attracted to Peter? What do you think? He one time looked at him and said, get behind me, Satan. How's that love working for you? Probably not very good, huh? No. In fact, when God looks at us, yes, we are His kids. But He loves us in spite of how we make Him feel many times. Not because. It's a whole different kind of love. Which is why Peter could say, you got this love for each other, but I want you to love each other earnestly with all of your heart. It's not a selfish kind of love. It's an unselfish kind of love that Christ calls us to. You know what else I wrote in my notes? If we fail here, the rest is immaterial. Those of you who are in construction, if you put together a foundation and the foundation fails, do you just go ahead and build on it anyway? No, you've got to rip it out and you've got to start all over again because if you build a house on a faulty foundation, you just set yourself up for massive troubles. And the truth is, if you and I operate on a foundation of love that's based around how people make us feel, friends, the rest of our lives is going to be built on a faulty foundation and the fruit of our lives will never, ever be what God wants it to be, nor what it could or should be. It's not until we're willing to, in the language elsewhere in Scripture, put self to death. Die to self. That we might learn how to actually love. And when we die to self, okay? Self wants us to invest over here. I can tell you that for sure. When we die to self, we will learn to live. And when we learn how to really live, I can tell you, this lifestyle is a fun place to live. Not always easy. But boy, it, it, it certainly is miles and miles above life over here. This is the grass. This is the word of the Lord that remains forever. So now that we've worked on love, Peter says, it's not all about just working on your love and so forth. But there's some things you've got to get rid of out of your life. And this is where I want to go back to the chisel. Okay? 
There's some things that we got to get rid of in our lives. And God's willing to partner with us, but this is not easy stuff. He says, rid yourselves of all evil. You know, I don't mind ridding myself of evil if God lets me pick. But that's called what? Control. We saw that in this skit, right? Yeah. Rid yourselves of all evil. And then he gives us a little list here. And this is not an exhaustive list. It's just to get our imagination going. Okay? And he says lying, hypocrisy, jealousy, and insulting language. Well, now up front you can see those are the opposite of love. Are they not? We don't lie to people we love. Lying and love don't go together. We're not hypocritical to people we love. When we're two-faced with someone, we're telling them we don't love them. Okay? We, we, we don't, we're not jealous of people we love because, jealous, because love really wants another person to succeed. We don't continually compare, am I ahead of them? That's not love. And last of all, love doesn't speak insulting language to the object of its affection. So up front, that's the easy part. What I want you to see is that evil is three things to us. Number one, it's natural. And I don't mean you're a bad person. I don't mean I'm a bad person. I just mean we do bad things. And we do them naturally. You know, you know what I wrote down in my notes about this? It requires no effort on my part. I can do this without even trying. Okay? It requires no intentionality. In fact, if I let intention go by the wayside, I just do this all by myself. I also wrote down that there's no discipline required for this. I can actually say the first thing I think. It's natural. But is the first thing that we think usually what we should be saying? Not if you think like I do. Yeah. You know, the second thing about this evil stuff in our lives... It's very easy to feel justified in acting this way. You know why? Because we go up to someone and we unload on them. We give them a piece of our mind. Right? Not that we have any extra, but we're willing to give that piece away. And when we walk away, we console ourselves by saying, It was all true. Right? So they made it okay to say. And then we will say, they deserved it. Right? And then we will say, it's not right for me to have those feelings and them not know it. We have a list a mile long of all the reasons why we should feel justified in doing something that was destructive. And we walk away, sort of brush our hands of that, And we feel justified in doing what we did in spite of the fact it was not God in us motivating us to do that. It was not love in us motivating us to do that. When we do that, where are we investing? On this side, do we feel better for a while? Yep. And when the guilt hits, what happens? Down we go. Yeah. We're investing on the wrong side. By the way, Once you invest in that conversation, can you uninvest? No, you can't. You've already done it. Okay? The third thing is, it's not only destructive, it blocks eternal investment. 
Because every, every ounce of energy, all the thought process, all, all the emotion, everything that I put into this, I cannot now put in over here. It's gone. It's here. And it's destined to fail and it's destined to be destructive. No matter how good it feels in the moment, destined to fail. So how does Peter cross? Listen to what he says. Be like newborn babies. Always thirsty for pure spiritual milk. And boy, if we'll learn to do that, so that by drinking it you may grow up and be saved. Two simple things as we close. Number one, investing on the right side actually creates an appetite for eternal things. I wrote in my notes this simple statement. We develop an appetite for what we regularly eat. And that's true of anything. You could walk out of here today and you could decide, I'm going to eat healthy, and it might not taste good today, but if you eat healthy today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day, a week or two from now, you're going to have an appetite for things that are healthy and somebody's going to wave you know, a, a double quarter pounder with bacon in front of your nose and you're going to go, eee. Because you now have a new appetite. We change our appetite by what we regularly eat. By the way, if you regularly eat here, you regularly invest here, pretty soon, boy, you get an appetite for this stuff, and it's good. But secondly, here it is, feeding on eternal things creates spiritual growth. That's what he said, so that you can grow. And I put it like this. What we regularly eat determines what we become. Isn't that true? We all know that in the real world, the physical world. It's true in the spiritual world. So let me pray with you as we close. Father, for all of us, myself included, this is a huge, huge struggle for us. It's so easy and natural and we feel justified in investing on the wrong side of the ledger. And Lord, when we do, it may feel good for a while. But you have told us the truth. And that is the grass withers and the flower falls. It's gone. And yet, Lord, you call us to invest on the right side. Because your word remains forever. Would you give us grace in this week? Would you give us strength by your spirit that we might invest our lives, our responses, our words, our deeds, everything about us, God, would you give us the ability to invest them in things that are centered on your word, which lasts forever. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.